Shop Podcast is back in its reg- regularly, regularly scheduled format. I'm Barry Murphy, back again to mispronounce all the words, just get everything wrong, uh, and make you yearn for the weeks when I'm not here. Joined, as always, by my ever-dependable co-host, first of all, the very sick Paul Griffin. Ye- 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 how's all my, how's all my, how's all my not-sick brethren doing out there in the CSP universe? Ye- ye- can I get an Amen. Oh yeah! Hang on, let me give the listeners a nice <coughs> oh, sniffer. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> rounding out the crew this week is, of course, Mr. Joe Towner. Good evening, Barry. Good evening, Paul. Good evening. Are you all right? You're healthy. You're in one piece. You're alive. I'm in, you're... I'm in fantastic shape. I'll be honest. Mm. Fighting fist. Yeah. Absolutely. I just had a whole bag of uh, dip dab uh, softies. Oh, very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. Soft, little soft, chewy, sweets flavoured like... Uh, uh, I don't know if uh, people have had the dip dabs. I didn't know that that existed. Yeah, they, I think they're new. Except what else is on the pack, they're new. Right. Could be a lie. But yeah, the popular childhood sweet where you, you dip a little dab into yep. sherbet. Yeah. The original dab. And then, and then throw away the lolly. Um <laughs> Yeah, once you were finished with all that sherbet cocaine goodness. All the lovely stuff, yeah. You didn't actually give a shit about that lollipop, yeah, like in the bin with you. Yeah, or on the back um, of a bus seat. <laughs> um, and we've got a hell of a week here, folks. We've got we've got all kinds of stuff to come up to talk about. Oh, so much of it, right? Paul, why are you sick? Oh, I've been sick, like, all week, basically. And I'm still only hitting the peak sickness now. I was missing. I missed work on Monday because I had a migraine, which is not okay. fun. For those who get migraines, you know what that's like. And then as the week went on, I just started getting progressively worse and worse. I had like the old throat infection, chest infection, all at once. Oh, oh god! And uh, yeah, so I don't know whether I go to work tomorrow. I might have to go to the old doctor get the uh, sick note. Oh, that guy! Oh, that old jabron. Um. 50 quid just for join his company. Yeah, just for him to tell me, ah, oh, you're you're a bit sick. Oh, yeah. What? Don't, don't, don't go to work, mate. Don't go to work. I shouldn't have come here, even. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, like, this is this has pretty much been going on since last weekend. Um, like, the, the genesis of this was... Um, OTT fourth year anniversary was last weekend. Now Natty couldn't go because she was too sick. <gasps> um, and then I think I got off her a bit. Uh, and yeah, so we went down to Leakslip yesterday, hang out with the parents, and we almost didn't go to that because we were both too sick. But we we did go. Oh. Man, did go. <clears throat> and um, so I don't know that I I feel like I, I get sick. Probably more than the average, but I th- this is this is probably one of the longer sicknesses I've had. In you know, purely talking about the duration of it, because I feel like <laughs> normally when I'm sick, I'm sick for maybe a day or two, and it, I, I'll bounce back pretty quickly. But this has just been dragging on, and 
<clears throat> I was on on Friday. I started getting particularly bad just throughout the day. It's, it's been a bit of a bit of a outside of sickness. Been just a bit of a shitty week generally, and uh, so capping it all off with being nice and sick. Um, and yeah, it's not nice, and it's it's a bit of a pain in the arse being sick. But uh, sure, we'll we'll get on. They won't stop me doing the podcast, brothers. That's the important. No. Yeah. He, he he works too damn hard. He doesn't miss any um, breaks. No, never. Um, how about you, Joe? You feeling good? How's life treating you this week? Um, well, I mentioned uh, I think it was a few weeks ago now the um, uh, walking competition that we're doing at work. Yes. Uh, so whoever can do the most steps by the twenty fourth of October uh, when we have our, our team meeting. Um, it's, it's supposed to be an aid of kind of improving our mental health by improving physical health. Um, I'll be honest, uh, my feet are fucking killing me because I've been walking <laughs> 10 miles a day uh, every day to try and catch up with the person who's in lead in the lead in the competition. Um, so I took it. I thought I was because we're kind of we're not all in the same group. There's about 30 people in it. We're split into groups of 10 on the app. So in my group, I'm like miles and miles, literally miles ahead of everyone. <laughs> literally. Them. Literally miles ahead. Destroying them. <laughs> oh no, 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 seriously, they are destroyed. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got more than the. Hang on, let me just have a look. I think I've got more than the next two combined. To be get honest. Go on, get the, let me just get, get the transcripts. Get these people. Actually, that was that oh, was an exaggeration. Don't they care about their mental health, eh, so losers? Number two and three have got. Uh, four hundred and fifty-six thousand steps between them. Oh. I've got three. I've got three hundred seventy-nine thousand. Oh. So, yeah, I'm destroying them. Um, <laughs> what I didn't realize was, so the first week I was going quite a lot, but not going crazy. What I didn't realize was, is someone in my team at work, uh, go. He was going mental. He was walking to work four miles there and four miles back every day. Uh. Um. And so he ran up a huge lead on, on me in the first week. And so I've been kind of playing catch up and doing insane amounts of walking this week. So my feet are literally covered in plasters from ankle to toe. Um, did an hour of running in the gym today to try and catch up as well as going for a very long walk this morning. Um, so it's all over. There's only three days left. So I'm just going to try and get it out and uh, do me last few steps and see if I can win. What you need to do um, is those, oh, excuse me, yawning, uh, in those hours where you're wasting being asleep, why don't you just yeah. attach the, the Fitbit or whatever to the, one of the local neighborhood dogs um, and let it, let, it, let it rack up points during the night. And then you go, here, 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 doggy, doggy, here's some ham. And they get it back first thing in the morning. And away you go. You're laughing. I mean, it's not a bad idea. But, you know, yeah. I live in very posh neighborhood barry there's no such thing as stray dogs here oh well the fucking five all are rolling around every sunday evening (laughs) that's because they're taking stray dogs back to their owners who (laughs) got lost shuffling shuffling dealers out of the neighborhood yeah yeah. Uh, i've seen a stray dog on the high street Uh, yeah please pick that up i can't remember what it what it was i think it might have been about michelle's uh instagram story she was talking about you know, something and of course the police siren was blaring in the background i was like <laughs> what is going on what is this war zone that they live in but, um, 
But yeah, so uh, that's good though. You know, it's good that you're you're taking an interest in uh, beating another person. That's the main. Thing. Yeah, that's the main takeaway from this whole endeavor. I think is that uh, coming second is pointless, and you might as well die. That's <laughs> all I've learned from Mental Health Week. Uh, second there place. There we go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, any any other life guff that we wanted to chit chat about? Um, I went bowling last night. Michelle came too. Let her come along. Um, It was alright. It was good. Um, I don't know. It's hard bowling. It's one of those things you don't do very often unless you're some kind of professional bowler who lives in America. (laughs) Goes every week. Um, So it's one of those things you do every six months or so. Yeah. And so you never really improve at it. You just sort of go and hope that you can roll the balls generally in the right direction. Yeah. What kind of score did you rack up then? I think about 140 or something like that. That's pretty fucking good. That's pretty fucking good, to be fair. Last, I, I got, yeah. Uh, the last time I went, I, was, I didn't even hit three three digits. Yeah, it's not too bad. I think I, I got on a bit of a streak on the first one. I got four or five, uh, like, spares and strikes Ooh. in a row. So that, that helps. Because right. yeah. I was thinking, when you're about to say something you don't improve on, I was... I was expecting you were going to be hitting like a 70 or an 80, but 140 is pretty decent. Yeah, it's not bad. Note to self, don't go bowling with Joe for fear, <laughs> for fear of being humiliated. <laughs> I, do, I do use both the bumpers and the giant shoot uh, <coughs> designed for children, though, so I don't know if that's helping. But. Oh, yeah, that aimer thing that you just you mm. blow the ball and it'll whoosh, yeah. strike. And I also I run up the alley and kick all the fucking pins down <laughs> if they don't fall over, so I don't know if that's... Ah, the old Wayland Smithers technique. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, in less exciting news, I, I bought some pyjamas this week. <laughs> oh! What? Oh man, getting all this in one week. <laughs> I haven't owned pajamas since I was about nine years old. Um, I've for many years been just sleep in my underwear, or if if not even underwear. Sometimes if it's too hot, um, I've never had any for pajamas. However, what I found lately is when I'm sitting in bed, um, and I need to go down get something in the kitchen or whatever because of the other people in the house i uh i just tend to have to put pants on anyway so i figure well might as well just have pajamas that i can just slam yeah. them on if i'm going downstairs and wear them around the house and they're all comfy in that so i bought some nice uh pajamas uh, unlike the the ones i wore when i was nine they don't have like uh tri- <laughs> glow in the dark triple h on them they're just oh. nice uh what color would it be? <laughs> it's like a turquoise <laughs> Oh, there was a there was a guy beside me at the OTT, by the way, dressed as Roman Reigns, with the little gloves oh. and the Roman Reigns t-shirt. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you sure it was? It sure wasn't that woman from the Angel Cruiser's entrance video. <laughs> That's pretty. More about that later. No, I just, yeah. it's like a dark turquoise, like plaid plaid uh, trousers, and just a nice plain black top. It's very very classy, very unique. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, so after a 21 year hiatus, I'm back on the pajamas train. Why were you on a 21 year hiatus <laughs> and wearing pajamas? I just thought, I just never wore them. I, I, I had them when I was a little kid, I remember. And then I don't know, I guess when I was around nine or 10, I, out of that kind of adolescent, burgeoning adolescent insecurity, I was like, I'm too old for pajamas now. 
I'll just wear me undies. And now, at the uh, you know age of thirty, as I as I start to delve into um, my old age, I get the old pajamas back in, bring them back into the fold. Um, yeah, they're yeah. Pr- they're pretty nice. I I was even considering the other day because they're so comfy. Wearing them out. I said them to work. I said if all my jeans were in the wash, I just wear these to work. <laughs> oh, Paul. Okay, well, um, okay. You haven't worn pajamas in quite a while, so maybe you don't know this, but I'll tell you. Uh, don't do that. Um, okay. Don't do that. Okay, good. <laughs> Either people will see straight away, or they think that uh, MC Hammer baggy pants are coming back. Either which way. They're, which, which they're not. Which are never, mm. they're never coming back. Well, that's because I haven't worn them to work yet. Oh, uh, I'm very much a trendsetter, you see. I've always, I always said that about you. <laughs> anyway, pajamas are great. They are great. I mean, strongly agreed on that. Mm. Um, let's have a little impromptu, and it doesn't have to be very long, but just a little impromptu uh, explain and hong um, ha. Underwear under the pajama bottoms or no? Uh, depends on a couple of factors. If I... How big your penis is? I mean, I have a frequent issue with that. I mean, I just, I can't contain it that many layers. You know what I mean? That's, that's part of the problem. You keep ripping uh, holes in the sun's bitches. Heat, heat is a factor. Okay. okay. So, uh, I don't want to, if it's, if it's summertime, first of all, I like to wear my short, short pajamas, but if well, I only have, if the only ones I have clean are Those Daisy Dukes pajamas, you own. Yeah. Sure. My, my Daisy Dukes, they kind of, you can just kind of, just see the, just see the bottom of the curvature of the you, cheek. You, yeah, the, the fold. Very. Uh, the fold, if you will, yeah. Uh, but it's like, uh, occasionally then I would also like to, you know, I only have long boys clean. Uh, and in those instances where it's very warm and I only have long pajamas, the undies are coming off because I yeah. need I need some bit of reprieve. Sure. Uh, where, yeah. Whereas, you know, Christmas time, I got the warm jammies on and also I have the underwear on underneath so I'm nice and toasty warm. You know, it does make a difference. It does okay, make okay, a difference. Okay, okay. I just wanted some veteran advice given that I'm yeah. fairly new to the old pajama game. Because I, I must say, I did wear them without underwear the other day. It didn't feel right. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just not used to it. Sure, we'll get there. Anyway. What else is uh, on in the we'll, world? We'll, we'll jump into the old uh, telly guff uh, this week. Uh, I've, so I've obviously been off for two weeks. You haven't heard from me. Uh, lads, there's an effing load of stuff to be watching at the moment uh, for myself. <laughs> Uh, I've fallen a bit behind on The Good Place already. Uh, oh, I think this is four episodes out. I've seen two. Has, has, anyone, has anyone started watching the, ha- the Haunting of House Hill? No, and I was actually going to say that next. That's, that's on my list. I've heard it. That's great. on my list as well. It's, it's uh, made by Mike Flanagan, who's a pretty good yes. horror director. Um, yeah. So it's on my list as well. And in fact, I might replace my whole Halloween movie list with that series. I've I've heard it's extremely good. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm actually a big Mike Flanagan fan. So yeah, yeah I mean, there's a lot of Netflix stuff out at the moment that I that I'm, I'm pretty excited to get to. So I, I've got uh, Good Place. Uh, I've got that. I've got the house of, of House Hill, uh, or Hill House rather. It is House uh, Hill. I still haven't finished Glow. I'm halfway through Glow. I watched some Glow uh, on the train up to OTT. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, so halfway through season two, still on that one. Uh, I I don't know if 
uh, yeah, it just came out. I don't think I mentioned on the podcast. Big Mouth season two, mm. uh, which I'm still slowly working my way through. It's it feels like it's more of the same, but that's good because I feel like there was a lot more, a lot more to give after that first season, which is good. Uh, I haven't. I'm on like I think I've one episode of Disenchantment left, uh, which has you know stayed as amusing as I found it originally, which is good. And uh, Daredevil season three came out, which I've not started yet. Um, and I want to get to, but uh, that just came out on Friday, so I haven't got to that yet. Because the thing, the other thing that came out on Friday was the new season of Making a Murderer, uh, which I have started, Ooh. and I'm about, I'm about halfway through. It's interesting. Uh, anyone else watching it? Uh, not yet. Um, we'll okay. soon. I'll, I'll be interested to see what you say, Joe. So, mm. I mean, I was kind of, I was curious what it was going to be because obviously, you know, we're 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 three years after the original. Uh, in terms yeah. of who's in jail and who's not, nothing has changed. Um, but I was very curious what it's going to be. So it's not as uh, spectacular as the first season in in the sense of the revelations and you're hearing about the story that you didn't really know about and and uh, the twists and turns and the and the the controversy and all this other stuff. It's very much a kind of reaction piece in a lot of ways. It's it directly responds to some criticisms of the first season. It sh- there's a lot of details about the, the the main characters involved dealing with the, the international fame that came with the show, mm. um, and then there's a lot of info. There's a lot of profiling on uh, Stephen Avery's new lawyer, who's like this fancy pants Hollywood lawyer, who seems mm. like she's kind of in it a little not, not in it for the fame. She's obviously a lawyer. She's highly successful, but she. Uh, See, she's kind of one of the more fascinating characters to come into it because she feels like she's very much relishing the, the Hollywood aspect of this case. Um, uh, so mm. she's interesting. So it's it's a different dynamic to the first season. It's not just this unraveling uh, conspiracy and this court case, this courtroom drama. It is very much this uh, kind of completely different direction. For the uh, uh, for the second series, and of course, a, a big part of the second series, it is also then following the sort of post conviction appeals and attempts to get these guys out. It's 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 still it's still dealing with that, but there's a lot of a uh, lot of very interesting things, more broader themes being explored that I'm actually enjoying quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, Joe, I'll be interested to hear you uh, um, uh, your thoughts on that uh, soon. But yeah, tons and tons of stuff on. Uh, 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 Netflix at the moment. I might try and start that uh, that haunting show uh, for next week. Hmm. Uh, we might base on that, and maybe Joe, me, and Joe can talk a bit about uh, making a murderer as well. But yes, uh, for you animated comedy fans, this Chapman and Big Mouth get on those uh, harshly endorsed both. Hmm. Hmm. Very good. What about you, Paul? Um, or Joe? Bro, Paul, you got anything? You watch anything? Yeah, I'm, I'm watching South Park since that's back. Um, bit of a bit of a wobbly start to the to the season. Um, and funnily, one that I I find myself really disagreeing with the majority of critical reviews out there. So, first episode is very good, very 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 funny, very very good. Um, the second episode then I really didn't like as much. It was one that kind of was based very much around um like the, ch- the child abuse scandal in the church uh, like oh, like that's a hot topic in 2018 and not at all a decade out of out of date um yeah. or more 
Um, episode three then was one that got like hammered in the reviews, and I actually thought it was all right. Um, was about how kind of surface level was about Tauli, but was kind of um, touching on the oh, that's the, the, the Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh story. story. Yeah. yeah, I thought the episode was all right. I didn't. I did. I thought it was far better than it got credit for. Um, and then the latest episode got like really high praise everywhere, and I thought it was a bit shit. So I don't know. I I kind of feel like in the past I'd always look to look to the reviews to kind of get a an idea about how quickly I need to watch these episodes mm. or or whether to just you know I'm not watching this week. Watch two next week, whatever. And then I saw this one. Like for instance, I know that IGN's TV reviews are not at all anything to take seriously. But um, they gave it like a 9-3 out of 10. I didn't think it was like good at all. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, it's typical of South Park uh, for it to be a little hit and miss. I feel like l- the last couple of seasons have been mostly hits for me. Um, but this season, for sure, is kind of... It's two, two for four in my book. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um I'm hoping that in the next couple of couple of episodes they can maybe get their their ducks in line, concentrate more on being funny. Then, like I don't know, like the last episode, the the one that got really again praised high heaven was like about vaping, and there wasn't any real deeper meaning to the episode aside from vaping is a bit annoying, which fair enough it is, but like there was no analogy there was no cleverer yeah look look at the at the topic it was just that but that's south that's south park isn't it in a way well a lot of well, south, no, south, south park a lot of the time will will have that as like the core conceit but they'll do it in a in a wacky way or, or was it like their 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 episode this is going way back this is how far back it's been since i consistently watch but like their episode about like hi- hybrid cars like the crux of their point was the people who drive them are kind of annoying rather than any kind of more significant point about the mm. uh, the environment or anything like that. Well, I guess that's you know kind I mean? of where South Park fails or succeeds is how clever the 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 analysis is of the things. Like when when it's just that the episodes tend not to be very good. <laughs> Whereas mm. I find the better episodes are the ones that are a little bit more, like not quite surreal, but are a little bit more outside the box in terms of the message that they're they're putting out. Like the like the the, the plot of the episode was almost Simpsons esque, in that like Randy just decides to move the family to a farm where he grows marijuana, and the big big business comes a calling, but they're from the vaping business. And he says, "I ain't having no pussy vape." vaping company take my marijuana and that's like the episode <laughs> in a nutshell and i was just watching it going like where's the bit where this becomes like really good and it never <laughs> it, it never appeared so i mean south park's a bit hit and miss like i said so maybe it's not maybe it's nothing newsworthy but uh since i played um fractured but whole this year on playstation i was i was kind of itching for more south park and now that i'm getting it i'm a little bit disappointed with it <laughs> then you're getting it, you're like oh i don't know about this. <laughs> nah, oh yeah this is why i stopped watching it for like five years in the mm. the early 2010s oh well uh joseph any any television you wanted to, to, to um 
Yes, I've been watching a television show on Netflix called The Crown. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of gave it a go before and thought, oh, God, I don't care about the Queen and the Royal Family. This is boring. Um, but Michelle's apparently watched it about six times uh, the first <laughs> the first two seasons, so she suggested we watch it. Uh, and I gave it a go, and it's actually a lot better than I was expecting because it's not really just about the Royals. It's uh, more so about kind of politics and... Um, it, it features kind of big political stories of the day and then how the kind of the impacts on the royal family or vice versa. So yeah. it's actually quite good. There's some good performances in it. Uh, John Litho as um, Winston Churchill, um, who I think won a lot of awards and received a lot of plaudits. Um, a lot of the a lot of the cast are quite good. Matt Smith uh, from Doctor Who plays Prince Philip. Oh. Um, he, he does a very good job. I didn't realise uh, it was set far enough back that Winston Churchill was in it. Yeah, so it starts with the Queen's coronation, which was 1952, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, 1952. Right. So, yeah, it kind of starts from around then, and uh, the King dying and her, her becoming Queen. Um, I, we haven't got to the second season yet, but I think that's more the kind of 60s into the 70s. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see. And I was kind of thinking as well, like although obviously the Queen's, there's been a lot of events in her life um, from the coronation through to like uh, you know, Princess Diana and all of that. I'm sure there must have been quite a few years where she did fuck all, you know, just kind of went on tours waving. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's going to be like, fast I mean, forward, like, get to the Diana stuff, come on. What, think, yeah, like, what are they, they going to do in the 60s and 70s? But given it's more kind of political, I think there will be quite a lot of uh, interesting uh, stuff. Yeah, sure like, sure, the troubles and stuff. Meet, should yeah. meet like John F. Kennedy or something. And this is the Queen, Queen, Queen give a shade about Northern Ireland? I can't remember. I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't know if she's heard of it, but I don't know if she's heard of it. Yes, it'll be in there somewhere, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so no, it's actually quite good, quite enjoyable, very well made, very well acted. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. We're going to move on to season two soon, uh, and then apparently season three is on the way. And they've recast, obviously, the act. Well, I think all of the actors. Um, so it's going to be uh, God, what's her name? The woman from Peep Show. Oh, I forgot her name. She's a good actress. But anyway, she's going to be playing the Queen from now on. Uh, Olivia Coleman. She, she, she's really okay. good. Um, yeah, and I'm looking forward to... Apparently, the, yeah, season three is going to be the 80s. So we get Thatcher, Diana, Charles, all the big hitters. Mm. All, the, all the big names coming in. It's going to be like the Attitude Era of the crown. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's good. I'd kind of, I mean, it depends if you are really turned off by the Royals. I'm kind of indifferent. So the fact that it's a good show uh, kind of swings it. Um, yeah, kind of moderate recommendation. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that's a Netflix original, is it? Yes, that's all on your Netflixes. Very good. Pretty much pretty much all I use to watch Matilda these days. Yeah. I still have my I still have my Amazon subscription. I, I barely use it. Oh, it's probably all on there. Yeah, and also like I mean, you think people? Sh- I mean, for all the great stuff, people also shovel a lot of shine onto Netflix. I have never seen so much, like just from looking at the cover art, embarrassing shine as on Amazon. I mean, <laughs> Amazon's video thing is like a, a handful of decent things, and just yeah. the absolute fucking. Like, the, the like YouTube character. conspiracy level documentaries. Yeah, like, and it's and they also have weird the shit like they have shit like uh, compilations of best bits from behind the scenes of The Sopranos, but they don't have The Sopranos. <laughs> 
I'm like, oh, good. My, uh, fa- my favorite bit, this behind the scenes bit of this show, I've seen like one season of. Anyway, uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll jump forward from there. We're gonna break up our guffs here with a little bit of a, a little bit of quiz action. Time for for Tony to get his bi monthly ego boost. Beat me in a quiz because <laughs> we're gonna do a bit of uh, Dwayne Johnson Busters. Mm-hmm. Dwayne, friend of the Saudi Royals, Johnson Busters. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Paul's going to uh, oversee proceedings as he always does if you are new to the show the way it's going to work is he's going to give us a sort of unusual kind of cryptic clue type thing uh, that will that will suggest a wrestler's name and me and Joe have to guess who the wrestler is uh, the famous example of course being uh, this is the place I used to store what was it I, I, I made this up I can't even remember what it is I this is where you store uh, your ketchup or something little, at the end. Little packets of ketchup. Little packets of ketchup. And the answer was sachet bags. Yeah, that's a good one. So that's the level, baby. I was uh, looking at some wrestling Twitter account <laughs> this week. I don't remember what it was, but I think I think it was some like French WWE um, fan oh, account or whatever. Look at you. Oh. <laughs> and it did have as in a list of wrestlers. It was something like. Um, Mark Henry. Ke- Mark Henry spelled M A R C H E N R Y. And it reminded me of Mark Henry, which of course is one of the <laughs> one of the best uh, Dwayne Johnson Buster clues we did. Um this is uh replacing Wrong the Truth Killings for a week. We give that a break for for a week, I think. A while, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll come back we'll to that down the line. Um but during the week I did think of one Dwayne Johnson Buster, and so as a result, we're doing that this week. This week is a WCW special. Wow, wow, wow. So, all the answers will have been people who were in WCW. Okay. All right. And we have five, so it's best of five. Okay. Okay. First one to shout it out gets the point. Yeah. Okay, first one. Eric Bischoff, Chuck Palumbo, and The Undertaker. Who's going to win? Eric Chuck Palumbo, and <laughs> The okay. Undertaker. Who's going to win? Uh, <laughs> Bischoff. I'm trying to think of a thread between those three. Oh, yeah. I'm like the White Boys. <laughs> Smackdown 2003. Smackdown 2003. <laughs> fucking. Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Yeah. To, to a lesser extent. Chuck Palumbo. <laughs> oh, he's throwing that in there. He's changed. The, uh, changed. Eric Bischoff. Chuck Palumbo. The Undertaker. Which of them's going to win? Who's going to win? When do we get the initials? Yeah. Do you want the initials? Yeah. The initials are HR. HR. Okay. Horace Rogan. No, it's not Horace Rogan. <laughs> uh, 
HR. HR, God, it's hell. I was going to say I'll be kicking myself after this, but you know what? I don't think I will. It's funny that you mentioned SmackDown 2003, because that, that would almost help you get this. The listeners at home... I've got an idea of what the, the thread what they is. have in common, and I'm just trying to think of... Eric Bischoff, Chuck Palumbo, and The Undertaker. Who is going to win HR? What is the thread between The Undertaker... Yeah, Chuck, that's a good question, Paul. That Chuck Palumbo. I mean, what's Chuck Palumbo known for at all, to be honest? Undertaker, <laughs> Chuck Palumbo. Marrying, marrying Billy Gunn. What's that, Barry? What did you say? Harley Race. Harley Race is correct. <laughs> that's awful. That is awful. Oh, my God. Because they all ride the motorbikes, don't they? Harley Race. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. What do you mean? Who's going to win? It's a race. <laughs> But it's not an not answering that question. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. said, if you said these three men are competing yeah. to see who's the fastest, I did. I, well, I wondered to myself who's going to win. Who's going to win? <laughs> yeah, Joe's right because I was trying to think. I was thinking, is there a wrestler called called Maxim Up or something? Well, that's not my fault. That's what you thought. <laughs> oh. It's not our fault that you thought of this. Harley Race. Harley Race. Very good. I'm annoyed and I got it right. Barry wins. Oh, Barry wins uh, question one. Oh, All right, number two. Number two. Luke's dad, he doesn't use a small vehicle when he moves house. Big Vader. Very good. Jerry, right <laughs> in with that one. <laughs> That's an all right one. That's an all right one. Uh, <laughs> That's, That's one all. That's one all. Okay. Uh, number three, and I'm, I'm going to th- mention with number three, right? That I, I I make reference to something that is just me being uh, a woke bay, and that is not part of the clue. Okay. Oh, good! It's got layers. You ready? Just it's, it's, yeah. this is like that one time Carol did the Carol Pilton did, did the Christmas ones, right? It's a little bit like that. Keep that okay, all right, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, WWE Evolution is on next week, so I'll be watching that, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, Eric Bischoff, Chuck Palomo, and Dylan Taker, who's going to win? Also, women are great. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I'm ill. So, WWE Evolution's on next week. So, get the, get the goodies in, right? I'll buy some Tato and a nice, fruity, fizzy drink to go with it. What am I having? Um, some Tato and a nice fruity fizzy drink. Okay. Um, uh, Chris Candido. Oh my god, he's very close. That's actually a good answer as well. I'll Chris Canyon. That's no, it's not Chris Canyon. Um, oh. Good answers, though, Barry. I, I I won't give you a point for those, but I'm impressed. <laughs> Fruity, fizzy drink. 
In fact, I'm I'm gonna start. I think now this this is gonna be like a Bangles one where Barry's answers are better than the real answer. <laughs> um. Oh boy. Um. Nice fruity fizzy drink. WCW wrestler. The initials are. Now get ready to jump in when you hear the initials because I'm thinking you probably get it then. Okay. You ready? Initials C J. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. Ah. It is Chris. Chris Cherry Coke. Very good. No! No! That is unacceptable. Chris Cherrycoke. Chris Candido. Chris Candido and Chris Canyon are are also good, to be fair. Chris Canyon is good, yeah. Yeah, it could have been like Chris Crisp Can Yum. Yeah. Mm. Chris Can Diet Coke. Could have been, I don't know. Anyway, it I, was, just, I, just watched some, I just watched some Chris Kenyon today. Was that time where he came out um, and WWE relentlessly uh, made him look stupid for being gay? That Was that one time? No, no. I, I watched his sole PWG appearance. Ooh. Hmm. Far better. Anyway, go on. All right, Barry, time for you to get one back and take it to the last one, okay? <sighs> All right. All right. That blind piano geezer just got married to WWE's newest Japanese superstar. Just got married. Got married to who? WWE's newest Japanese superstar. That blind (laughs) piano guy. Not Stevie Wonder, the other one. Oh, no. the other what? <laughs> the other blind uh, piano guy. Just got married to WWE's newest Japanese superstar, so who is he then? Ray Mysterio. It is Ray Mysterio, very good show. Wait, what's the Mysterio bit? Well, he's, he, now he's Ray Mr. EO. Oh. Oh. It's brutal. That is brutal. Shouldn't it be Mr. Ray EO? They wouldn't work. Yeah, wait a minute. Hang on. Wait, yeah. No, Ray, Mr. EO. What are you on about? It's Mr. Ray EO. First of all, EO is a first name. First of all. So so (laughs) is Mr. Ray Shirai. (laughs) My favorite WCW superstar. <laughs> I am gonna die on air. I, it's what you deserve. <laughs> Ray Shirai. <laughs> it's Ray, Mr. EO. Very good, Joe. You got that one. And then the last right. one for Barry to get a bit of pride back here. I'm, I'm not the one who needs pride back, mate. Mm. Alright, and this is for, one for me to go out on here on my sword. I've kept the worst for last. 
one of the CSP lads just farted on a bit of bacon. What's that about? No idea. One of the CSP lads, so it's going to be one of us, isn't it? Just did a fart on a bit of bacon. Uh, Paul Guffrusher. <laughs> I tell you what, the, you have the three parts are all right, but you got the wrong name. Oh, <laughs> well, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, just give us the initials. BW. Uh, B.W.? Yeah. Barry Windham! Barry, oh, my God. Barry Windham. Very good. Uh, that's not uh, the worst, but it's bad. I mean, uh, bacon is not the same as ham. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of all the things in this quiz, that's the one to pick me up on. <laughs> what was it? Mr. Ray Shirai. There's our fucking episode title the right there. That's terrible. <sighs> I think that might have been the worst ever edition. That Sorry, listeners. That was pretty bad. But I came up with Chris Cherry Coke in the week, and I thought that was really good. Turns out I was wrong. That's the one you came up with. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it inspired that whole quiz. And you know what? That makes it apropos, I guess. I think it's I think it's appropriate that it's around Halloween time, because I think that might have been the final nail in the coffin for that one. Yes, yeah. Never never to never to raise from the dead. Hmm. Um, all right. Do you have any music guff this week? I do. I do. I listen to... Um, the music of 21 Pilots this week. Oh, who trolled you by sending that in? What? No, I just... I, I, I know two of their songs. I thought they were pretty catchy. The, um, Heathens one from Suicide Squad. That's a alright song. And then um, Ride, I knew, I knew off Blurry Face. Um, turns out they're a lot less uh, like industrial sounding, I thought they would be. They're almost like... Um, they're almost like LC. They're that light. For the most part, um, so it wasn't exactly what I was hoping I was getting myself in for. Um, I think their third album, Blurry Face, is is pretty good. I think the other three, including the new one, are all kind of forgettable and not very good. So that's kind of one of the first ones that I've I've listened to, and and really it's been a bit of a dud, unfortunately. I don't know because the the few songs I knew by them that I'd heard, I kind of liked the kind of the drum led sound of them, but a lot of a lot of the rest of it is not is not that. So that was a bit disappointing. And then another disappointing news, um Ghost, which is one of my favourite bands, put out their new video for uh Dance Macabre, which is a song off the latest album. And uh I hate it. And I think it's one of the worst things they've ever done. Culminating uh my my disappointing week in music. Oh. So I'm seeing Ghost next year. So am I. Are you going? Are you going to Slade or are you going to Ghost? Kick? I'm going to Slade. Hey, I'll see you at Slade. Ooh, well, you probably won't because it'll be about fucking a hundred thousand. Probably won't be. Yeah, thousands and thousands of people, but whatever. We'll rock out to those lads who do Triple H songs. <laughs> they were on um, one of the NXT shows. They were one of those like um, yes, yeah. official theme song of Takeover, or whatever. They were. No, I've liked Ghost for a while, to be fair. Um, yeah, that'd be real good. I, I'm excited to see them, but their their Dance Macabre music video sucks. 
that's a shame. Hopefully, hopefully the next album's a, a banger. I actually have never listened to any Ghost. I need to get on that. Well, the current album is very good. Um, God, I, I could give you some songs to listen to. Listen, to, start with Square, really? start with Square Hammer, and work your way from there. Okay. Uh, and actually, as a as a little uh, Easter egg, uh, the the outro music we use for the podcast is currently uh, a Ghost song. So okay, there you go. There you go, listeners. Trivia buffs. Hmm. Uh, we'll segue from there into the old game guff. I've played some video games this week, lads. I believe you've played a lot of Bobo. Uh, I've played a lot of what? Bobo. What the fuck is that? Bobo Black Ops Blackout. Oh, yes, that is correct. Is that what the cool kids are calling it now? That's what the hip kids are calling it. See, I'm so old-fashioned, I still remember when Black Ops was called Blops. Cod Blops. You play, you play that Cod Blops? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, funnily enough, I played Black Ops 3 when it was free on PlayStation Plus a few right, yeah. uh, months ago, and I thought, this is a bit boring, and I didn't bother playing the rest of it, and that was free. Um, but my my pals were playing the blackout mode of uh, Call of Duty Four. Uh, bl- sorry, not Call of Duty Four. That was fifteen years ago. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Four, which is basically the Call of Duty spin on the old battle royale trend that is taking over the world right now. Paul, have you played any battle royale games ever? I haven't. Okay, so I played a little bit of PUBG. The originator, which I really liked, right? Uh, but I don't, ha- I don't have a PC to run it. I played a decent amount of Fortnite, which I did not like. Um, and then basically, my roommate was playing this with his pals. This uh, they called the Call of Duty version. I was like, oh, this this looks right. It looks a bit like a console version of PUBG. This looks okay. And then he gave me a go of it, and I was like, yes, this is very good. And I immediately bought the game. Um, so, bit of a jump for me because honestly, they they got me solely on the blackout mode, which is what they call their their battle royale, and I haven't really touched much of the other modes. Um, I don't know if I would have bought this game if not for the battle royale mode because the thing is, I've been waiting for one to come along that really, really gets me. Because, mm. like I said, I like PUBG, but I don't have a PC. Fortnite doesn't do it. I have Fortnite on two systems, the Switch and PlayStation, and and I've tried playing both. They don't. They just don't get me. Um, and this one, early impressions are that this one does indeed have me. It's very, very, very PUBG-like. So if you're not familiar with what PUBG is, basically, uh, it's a kind of, you know, by video game standards, a quasi-realistic military shooter where uh, 100 people drop out of a plane onto an island. That's the realistic bit. Um, uh, and basically, you land with absolutely no gear. It's every man for himself, and you have to run from sort of building to building, trying to loot whatever kind of first aid, uh, guns, ammo, scopes, uh, uh, backpacks to carry more gear, everything you can do. And it's basically every man for himself. You have to take out all 100 other people. Uh, and uh, basically, the way they, they get you to convene, it's quite a large island, is there's an ever-enclosing circle around you. So it starts off quite large, and then it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And if you're outside the circle, you start taking damage. And uh, the longer the game goes on, the more damage is dealt to people outside the circle. So you have to keep moving towards the center. Uh, it's not it's not strictly the center of the map. It's a different location every time. Mm. But you basically have to you have to keep on the move. You have to keep going, you know, further and further into conflict. You can't just you know hide in a bathroom for the for the duration of the game. Uh, and that's that's the that's the so anyone listening to this who who knows the term Fortnite but doesn't know what it is that is that is the genre in which Fortnite is based and this is basically just Call of Duty spin on it. Um, so yeah, they took the the very core premise that's in 
the original Battle Royale game, PUBG, and they just slapped some Call of Duty controls on it. And so far, it is, uh, it's scratching the itch for me. I'm, I'm hooked. Uh, I did win. I've won one game at my pals. I've not won solo. Uh, uh, YouTube.com slash the Barry Murphy lad. You'll see me streaming my attempts to win a solo game. But it's great. It's very, very addictive. It's, um, uh, it's very tense. Uh, there's a lot of uh, me talking and then me immediately stop talking because uh, yeah. you have to kind of listen very carefully. Uh, they kind of amplify the sound of footsteps in that game to encourage you to sneak. Uh, if you're sprinting around from place to place, if you're recklessly shooting your gun, you're going to expose yourself. There's a lot of hiding, a lot of waiting, a lot of stalking. Um, <clears throat> it's very, very cool. I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, I think anyone who, like me, was waiting for a, a console battle royale experience uh, that was a bit deeper than Fortnite. I think they would enjoy that. Mm. Um, I have not yet uh, dabbled with the... They, they have their regular vanilla Call of Duty team deathmatch. You know, enter a small map, run around, kill everyone. They have all that stuff in there. I have not touched it yet. Um, so I might report back next week on that. Because obviously, I, you know, I paid full price for the game. I'm going to see if I can get my money out of it and not you know, play all the modes. Sure. But... Uh, uh, yeah, so far so good. Really enjoy it. The performance of it is a bit dodgy. It's a bit up and down. Uh, there was a 9 gig patch yesterday. I installed it. I haven't really noticed it being that much better. So hopefully as the, the weeks go on, it, it levels out a little bit. But uh, so far, I'm, I'm kind of... The performance is the only major hiccup. But um, So yeah, I played that. And I also played another console port I was waiting for. Fire Pro Wrestling World. Which hmm. is... Uh, which is the uh, the first time I have ever dabbled with a Fire Pro game. Uh, even at all interested or tempted by this, Paul? I've never played a Fire Pro game, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Yeah, I've never played one, so I'm still in that kind of that wheelhouse. Okay, so you can tell. So, me. so basically, it's taken a lot of getting used to. I haven't quite wrapped my head around it yet. So basically, if you've ever seen a Fire Pro game, I mean, it basically looks the way they've always looked. It's kind of They've upped the resolution and they've cleaned it up an awful lot, but it's still sort of quasi sixteen bit. It's 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 more it's higher than that, but it's still going for that look, kind of isometric camera view at these sprites rather than character models, um, and uh, it's a kind of timing based grappling system rather than uh, kind of what however you would describe the WWE games. I don't even really know how you would describe them. Uh, with uh, with Fire Pro, basically, anytime you're two, the two characters that are in the match uh, come within a certain close range of each other, they automatically grapple, and you have to time a button press with their hands touching. And basically, the person who times the button press the best, they win the grapple, and they do their chosen move. Mm. Um, it's, it's a pretty steep learning curve. I haven't quite gotten it yet, and I would say the tutorial is quite poor. I would, there is a tutorial in there, it's not very good. Um, I was having a hard time with it. I kind of, I, di- I didn't even finish. It's called mission mode. And basically it's like a list of like 20 missions where it's like, do these basic moves. And then it's like, win these basic matches. And then, okay, win these matches with these specific conditions. I was not having a great time with that. I found it was not very helpful. I was having a lot of hard time getting to grips with it. So I was like, I'm just going to play exhibition. and I'm going to figure this out for myself. And I, I feel like I actually got to grips with it a lot more uh, there. Uh, also, the, 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 the tutorial doesn't even really explain... Just connect my hands up there a little bit. Uh, the tutorial doesn't even really explain things like, uh, uh, like you know, dragging people away from the ropes for rope breaks and things like that. It, it's very bare bones. Um, but yeah, so I tried dicking around with it in um, uh, Exhibition. Got to grips with it. I'm liking it. 
I, I have a lot to learn. It is, it's not pick up and play at all. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be a game that you'd bust out at a party to play with your, you know, your pals, like you know, a Mortal Kombat or a Tekken or, or even even a WWE game, which for all their faults, I think you can at least kind of kind of pick them up mm. and get it. Uh, Fire Pro is not that at all. Um, yeah, so I haven't done much. All I've done is kind of uh, mess around with the character downloader and play an exhibition. Um, I haven't done... They have a story mode, uh, which sees you creating a character and going through New Japan as a young lion. Right, it's kind of uh, visual novel aspects of it. Uh, you're kind of interacting with the characters. Uh, this is the first Fire Pro game to have license, have any license at all. It's typically been a kind of Pro Evo type situation. Uh, right. This one has New Japan locker room on it, the New Japan branding, and the story mode, which is which go, is going through the ranks of New Japan. So that's cool. And uh, how does the editor work? Is it just importing like images, image files, or? Uh, so basically, the way it works is you don't do it. You don't do it via any kind of uh, WWE 2K style in-game menu. You don't do that at all. Uh, clicking on that just opens your PlayStation browser, or you can use the browser on your phone or your tablet. Mm-hmm. You basically go to FirePro's website. You log in with your PSN ID to this website. Okay. You, you have they have a search. They have search tools there. You can enter a name, and then you can filter by you know. Wrestler, ring texture, uh, you know, turnbuckle texture, um, ring mat, all the, all, the, all the various editable things. And you can filter by most popular or HZ. And you pick the wrestler you like, you look at it, you can read some comments from people saying, this is good, this is bad, this, you know, this character has four attires, blah, blah, blah. And you just press a button on it that says subscribe. Um, and you, and I, this has actually been a weird kind of time killer for me. I'll, I'll be at the bus stop. I'll fire up the Fire Pro website. I'll just go, yeah, I'll have him, I'll have him, I'll have him, I'll have him. And basically, when you every time you boot up the game, uh, part of kind of the loading process is it checks, has your PSN ID been used on the website recently? And it downloads anyone that you've subscribed to in the last, you know, since you last booted it up. And uh, the reason they use the term subscribe is that creators can update their creations so, right. but they might they might update. It's so intense that, that people program logic into their characters. So this character is aggressive. This character taunts. That's what they do. Move X Y Z. It's that kind of thing. So oftentimes you'll download a work in progress, and uh, it'll be updated as it goes. So it's not the most intuitive thing. I like the idea of being able to just download it on my phone, and it syncs up to my PS4. That's mm. great. But it does mean there's actually quite a lengthy load every time you boot the game up because I have 200 creations. And so it's like, oh, he downloaded 10 more. But also we have to do a very quick check to make sure none of the previous ones have been updated. <clears throat> so so it's, not super intu- it's not super intuitive and it's not super quick. But it does give you access to this almost limitless... Uh, community creation suite. I mean, I don't know if anyone, if you've seen any of the stuff I shared on Twitter, but like I have like the whole. I saw the Lucha OTT Under- stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I have the OTT ring. I have Devlin. I have Walter. I have the whole Lucha Underground roster. I have like most of like the Impact roster. I have a, a mix of WWE Today and Attitude Era guys. And some of the creations are much like the WWE games. Some of the creations are just tremendous. Like it's really impressive the level of work that goes in. Like you get a Kurt Angle, and it's like here's his attire from wrestlemania this year he here's his attire from he, he when he debuted you know here and his moveset is all up to date all the stuff really really impressive now that stuff though only kind of uh it's only worth if the gameplay is worth it and i'm still finding my feet with that it's too early for me to say as someone who's brand new to the series 
I don't know if I'm feeling it just yet, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, it's also 50 quid uh, on PlayStation, which is quite the chunk of change. Um, and then a special edition for like 90 uh, with a season pass. Uh, so I'm withholding my judgment just yet. Uh, I, it's, it's taking me some getting used to, but I'll, I'll report back in the coming weeks. But uh, it's, I, I like it so far. I do like it so far, but there's a, a steep learning curve and not a lot of assistance with it. So, uh, so yeah, those are my two uh, my two gaming adventures, and so both of them, I'm, I'm pretty much a thumbs up on Black Ops already, but I haven't played enough of the modes. Fire Pro, I'm tentatively positive, but uh, work in progress on that one. Right. Well, I mean, my last couple of weeks have been spent in the world of ancient Greece, playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes. And I am. About 22 hours in. And it's... Uh, oof. I would say it's pushing for to be my favorite game of the year so far. Oh, wow. Uh, at the same time, I, I, I feel like, like all the games I've played so far this year, I feel like there's, there's things about it that I really enjoy and things that I think are far improved on from um, Origins, which came out last year. And yeah, there's still things about it that kind of annoy me and little little design choices that I don't feel really complement the game. Um, so first and foremost, it's more Assassin's Creed, so or, or let's say modern Assassin's Creed. That it's a it's a it's an open world RPG in in the the vein of your Skyrim's, albeit a third person one. Um, Differences from Origins. So first and foremost, I talked... I think when I last... We last did normal podcast. I think I played the opening like 10 minutes over or so. So you do have... Uh, and one of the improvements that I, I really, really like about the game is you do have um, like eight special moves that you can choose from. Four for your bow and arrow and four for your, your melee attacks. And there are more than four in the game. And so you can kind of assign different powers... Um, based on what you're doing in the game. So my four, for melee, for example, there's uh, one assigned to each of the face buttons of the controller. So you have X, square, circle, triangle. So I have, for example, one that heals 25% of my health, one that applies poison to my weapon, which will do for, like further damage over time. I have one that will take an enemy's shield off. Um, so this is like really useful against shielded enemies. And then you have, of course... The Sparta Kick, which is, I mean, if anybody knows, uh, has heard anything about Assassin's Creed Odyssey lately, is that the most satisfying move in all of video game history, um, and you can take it from me as well, 22 hours into the game, I have, rarely have I played something as satisfying as kicking a motherfucker off a cliff. <laughs> and yep. um, you find a real tough mercenary enemy who's two levels above you, and there's a cliff next to you, you lure him over and you fucking kick him off. And every time it's super satisfying and every time uh, it gives me that little bit of joy that a video game should give me. Um, so, I mean, I think the story is more interesting than Origins. As much as I, make Bayek, as much as I miss Bayek of Siwa, um, I find that the Odyssey story is more layered and is more interesting overall. That's that's interesting to me because I've I've heard even among positive praise for this game I've heard a lot of pining for Bayek compared to well I I love Bayek where's your mother 
I do miss my <laughs> sewer and his and his wacky not at all Egyptian accent. Um, yeah. I'm playing the game as Cassandra, so I'm not playing as uh, Alexios, the the bland faced male option. I did decide to play as Cassandra, uh, and I I think her voice acting is great. I think she has like a real distinct character to Bayek. Um, uh, I I would say a more interesting character. Bayek, although I liked Bayek, Bayek was kind of one note. He was like a stoic, you know, stoic warrior character who had who had a a pretty simple backstory that his family were like killed in front of him. He didn't really have a lot of depth apart from that. Cassandra is a little bit more shades of grey. Like I play her um, more or less heroic so i always try and do the heroic option but the thing you have to keep in mind and the game will continually remind you is that you are a mercenary and sometimes you have to make the choice that will benefit you not only the choices that will benefit you know the people you're helping um so it's a little bit more layered to that like for example there's one quest where without spoiling what the quest is about um like you have more or less have to sleep with a character to get what you want so cassandra kind of uses her her um, sexuality as a woman to her advantage. It's, it's not done in a way that seems like sleazy or, you know, cheap. It, it, it's like something that Cassandra is totally in, in charge of and it's like a tool that she uses almost. And, and that's a kind of a unique view that you, you don't see in a lot of games. I, th- I mean, the closest I could liken it to is... In that those old God of War games, you had like, and that was in in a true like a truly sleazy way. You had yeah, those yeah, uh, sure. those like sex mini games and so on. This is this is not like that, but um, it's it's something that you know is there. And and um, Ubisoft have put in romance options and so on and so on into the game, which I I failed at hilariously early on. Um, there was one bit where you have uh, you go to an island and there's this fortress on it, and you meet this lady called. Uh, Odessa, who's going on her own kind of odyssey, um, following up because apparently she's a, a descendant of um, Odysseus, and uh, you meet her on this island. And I, I was trying to trying to get in her pants in a lesbian way, and okay. I, I was trying to get that get that lesbian loving, and okay. um, I said, yeah. I, I said to her, uh, you know, you can't, you have to be your own person. You can't just try and live the lives of others. And I was trying to trying to be like. Trying, trying to do the romance option, but she got real mad at me, and she said, "No, you're 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 underplaying my my quest." And then she, I don't want to talk to you again. And she was gone, and I was left oh, to you. See, see, it's that easy. Being I was too that. eager. Turns out, my my um, real life uh, inability to chat up women came into <laughs> the fold in video game form. Um, the combat is is obviously super satisfying. One of the things that I, I really enjoy is you have these um, like war scenes where the, the there's like 150 enemies on screen, and uh, you're fighting between the Athenians and the Spartans, and you you can choose either side, whichever again whichever benefits you at the time, and uh, and you fight their side to take over whichever particular area of the game you're in, and those are really fun. Because um, you just have you're fighting fucking enemy after enemy after enemy, and then occasionally it'll bring you up like a specific enemy that if you kill them will take down so much of that side's health bar, let's say. So you have like kill the captain, and then you see in the distance one little indicator over a guy's head. Going, yeah, that's the fucking captain. Let's make my way to him, and you're 
chopping through layers, you know, rows of people to get to the captain to try and fight him. <laughs> and um, and th- those are really fun. At the same time, I f- I, I've, I likened to Skyrim earlier, and I, I would say that because I found more than my share of, like, glitches in the game. So I, I do feel it's the glitchiest Ubisoft game I've played in quite a while. And to be fair, it's, like, this huge game. The map is enormous. One of the biggest game maps I've ever seen. But um, I have experienced, like, horses glitching out sideways on like mountainsides um i've had enemies who are trapped in rocks and stuff that i can't get to them um so it's it's quite a glitchy game and also one of the things that i'm not so hot about is that in, in because the game is so big there is more of a reliance on kind of um quests that regenerate uh, almost like procedurally generated quests just to keep the game world um alive and with, with you having continuously things to do um but it feels like that the trade-off for that is that there are less of the really meaty tailor-made side quests for you to you know spend half an hour doing so you get to a new town or whatever a new area in the game and you have all of these icons show up for for quests you say yeah, i'll do I'll go do go do one of these quests and invariably it's something like oh uh, my husband's gone to war. Bring him this this thing for me. And you go, whatever, the 500 meters over to where the husband is. You give him the thing and you go back to where the first person was. And that's the end of the quest. Then you get whatever your 1,000 XP and your your, yeah. your money. And there's just like 500 quests in the game that are just that. And um, it definitely feels like a bit of padding. It definitely feels like a bit of um, like grinding that you do to raise your level up. But the more I play the game, the 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 less um, intrigued I am, or the less urge I have to go do those quests. Um, whereas in Origins, obviously I, I platinumed Origins. I'm very much playing the ga- playing these games to find every question mark and do every quest. Um, but with these kind of regenerating quests, I, I'm starting to already feel 20 hours in of what's potentially going to be like a 60, 70, 80 hour game that. Uh, I'm kind of not arse doing those anymore. Um, and the the effect of that is because there are less actual side quests, I do feel a little, a little bit less connected to the world than I did in Origins. Because I, I remember playing Origins, you would get to Alexandria or you would get to one of these other areas. And you have like the five or six really good side quests that I associate with that area of the game. And this kind of doesn't have that. And so I don't feel that same connection to the the areas within the game as I did before. Uh, and generally, I feel like Greece, although it's 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 a really beautiful looking game and a really beautiful looking setting for the game, I kind of found Egypt a little bit more interesting historically. Yeah. I like the pyramids. I like the the pharaohs and the backstory of all that. And although the story, because because the story is a little bit more character driven, I find the story better in Odyssey. But the world, I just kind of think, is is a little bit 5% more bland than Origin was. It just feels like your okay. typical fancy fancy world that doesn't really have any um, standout things that, that link it to the real world. I know that Greece does have, you know, um, Mount Olympus and uh, the Pantheon and blah, blah, blah. But Egypt had, you know, the Great Pyramid and Alexandria and stuff that I... That I found in the game i said okay i actually know about this and now i can link what i know to the game world and say oh that's this thing that's this thing greece i just don't have that connection to and so i don't find the game the game world is interesting 
But um, it's a super solid game, and it's a game that I easily find myself sitting down and just playing for like five, six, seven hours in a row. And um, like I don't think I played it once from Monday until today. So I, I went nearly the whole week without playing it at all. Then today I played it for like six hours. <laughs> it's just a game that you can just sit down and it has that kind of football manager thing of, you know, I know like Joe plays football manager, same as myself. Um, when you're on a little bit of a streak and you say one more game, one more game. Oh, we're it's only one more game left in April. We'll play that one last game. And before you know it, you've played it for six hours. It has like, Assassin's Creed has that where it's like, oh, there's just one more question mark in this area. I'll, I'll go do that before I stop playing. Um, and then and invariably that will lead you to another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. And before you know it, you've played it for two extra hours more than you meant to. Um, so it's very addicting in that way. But um, yeah, I, I'm really into the, the story. There was one one set piece or one, one cutscene in particular I just like thought was amazing. I'm only 20 hours in, so let's say a quarter of the game in. And already there's been like two or three twists I didn't see coming that I was totally shocked by and that I totally loved. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what other reviews uh, you've heard, Barry. But yeah, to me, it kind of makes the, the Origins story seem kind of plain and boring. I don't know. Okay. But um, yeah, I'm totally in on it. Um, obviously, I'm still very early in. But um, yeah, might very out, might very well end up being my game of the year. The way it's going. Wow. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, going to be playing that Spider-Man DLC next week? I already have the season pass. Now, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is not play it next week, although that's subject to change, of course, just depending on how I feel. But um, I'm thinking what I'll do is I'll continue playing Assassin's Creed, and then when all the th- all three of the Spider-Man DLCs are out in December, I'll just play them for like a 10-hour stretch. Yeah, I don't know. See, I feel like... After platinuming it, I kind of had my fill of Spider-Man, but now it's been a couple of weeks, and now I'm like, yeah, I could jump back in. But I feel like I couldn't jump back in for that 10-hour streak, even if I waited until Christmas. So I'm like, I think I'm going to play these as they come out. Right. They're probably only going to be a few hours worth each time. Yeah. I'll jump in, I'm like, oh, this feels good, and then I'll be like, I'm done again, just as, <laughs> just as it wraps up. Well, um, well my problem is that the, the control schemes between Spider-Man and Assassin's Creed are so different that Oh, yes, yes. I almost feel like I don't want to confuse myself and having to remember the two wildly different control schemes that I'll just play Assassin's Creed, finish that around oh, end of November, start of December, then jump back into Spider-Man. That's probably the way I'll do it. I think I think, I think this DLC will tide me over to Red Dead. Which is next. I'm thinking of Red Dead to be my Christmas game this year. That'll be a good one. Uh, that would be a good one. Uh, keep in mind, I did not play Red Dead Redemption on PS3. You liked you liked um, GTA Five, right? I was um, yeah. I I didn't love it. I, I I only played it for about ten fifteen hours. Oh okay. And I well, felt I, I I felt like I got my fill of it. Um, okay, well then I I don't know I don't know what to really expect. Now to be to be fair, games. I'm a bit of a GTA pariah in that. Um, I, I, I don't know, I just find GTA, I think at the time that I played them, I found the worlds just to be too big and too, like, overwhelming almost. Whereas the first game of that I, uh, ilk that I really enjoyed was Watch Dogs 2. Um, 
and I feel like I'm in a mindset now where would I play GTA 5 for the first time today? I would probably love it. But like I tried GTA 4. I didn't like GTA 4 at all. I think I played it for like five hours. I said this just is this is just not for me. <laughs> GTA 5, I for for the time I played it, I did really enjoy it. But it it was just at a time where I was kind of not into video games that much. Uh, like 2013-ish. And it was only around the time of like mid-2014, end of 2014, start of 2015, that I started playing games in, 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 in the old, to the old rhythm that I used to. Um, so GTA, I just think, was a matter of timing that I was, I was like real, really flaking out on games. Like I remember even at the time, I started South Park Stick of Truth, which is like, what, a 12-hour game? I didn't even finish that. So... I don't know. I'm going into Red Dead with uh, a very, very open mind and quite high expectations, in fact. So yeah, the, the, I, I love the first one. Um, the, the, the world is massive. It seems like that's also going to be a big selling point of the second one. Yeah. Um, and it really seems like they're going for a more kind of detail-oriented experience. Like a lot, So much of the preview coverage was about, like, you can holster your weapon and then your aim button basically becomes... Like, look at this character, and here are some options to interact with them that are not blow them away. Which was <laughs> right. the weird thing about all these games, including GTA V, is there's all this gushing coverage about how lush and gorgeous and detailed the world is. And look at these NPCs. They they walk the way they should. You go to the beach, and they act the way people at the beach act, all this sort of stuff. It's like, but I have no means of interacting with these with these with this world other than shooting it. You know what I mean? It's like, I, like I almost don't really get why that effort's put into the world when you don't do anything other than just drive through that beach in a fucking truck. You know what I mean? Whereas Red Dead's a little bit like, you know, you can interact with people and you can escalate situations. You can diffuse situations if you want. You can haggle with people. It's, it seems like I'm sure I, I would think like for GTA 4, I think this game may end up being quite divisive despite all the hype for it. Because I feel like they're going for a kind of slowed down, different kind of vibe for this. Yeah. Uh, that I don't know will wash with everyone. I'm very, very excited to see it though. Um, so I guess, yeah, next week we'll have a chat about that. Or, uh, yeah, I, I'll have a chat about that. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's Game Guff for the week. Uh, who wants to do some movie Guff here? I started last time, so what do you want? All right, well, I watched um, a couple of old movies this week. Because I mentioned already this week was a bit of a shitty week. Um, not, not that there's anything that I need to discuss necessarily. There was no big, big news from the week that really affected me. It was just kind of one of those weeks where fucking work, you know, the way work grinds you down. And um, like <laughs> fri- Friday, I was the only team leader in. And it was a like extremely busy day, and I was getting sick and just those one of those fucking kind of weeks. So I wasn't in the mood really to watch. Um, it comes at night, or you know, don't look now. <laughs> I just wanted a little bit of levity. So over the week, I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, uh, classic! A film I've seen probably about forty times. Really. Uh, well, I was a teenager once, Joe, and um, to the chagrin of my, to the chagrin of my poor brother, I probably watched that once every two weeks when I was like fifteen, um, and then I watched Life of Brian as well. Um, so I'm a big Monty Python guy. Um, 
I've watched the entire TV series, I which I have on DVD. I have all the movies on DVD. I have, I think, two live shows on DVD as well. Mm. Um, so I'm a big Monty Python guy. Um, but this is my first time going back to them since... Probably since I was about 18, 19. I don't think I've watched either Holy Grail or Life of Brian in its entirety since then. Um, Holy Grail, I think, is... And this is the first time watching Holy Grail where I properly could really appreciate the like the filmmaking outside of the the childish humor um and i really really like it i mean the uh, if anyone has the holy grail dvd there's a really great documentary about the the making of where they uh revisit the castles where the the film was was made um and yeah it's, it's kind of like the jokes that i liked when i was a teenager i feel are like the weaker jokes now and the jokes that I like now are the ones that are a little bit more clever than than silly, and I feel like that's where Monty Python is at its best. Is when it, it, it's like like the Naked Gun when it's like smart dumb, where it's it's like a clever dumbness. Like I think when I was fifteen, like I loved you know Knights Who Say Knee, um, and all that. Now I'm now I'm appreciating the. I don't want. Let's say and dev. A shrubbery. Okay, we're not going to devolve into a Monty Python quote. Um, but now I like the the peasants in the muck who are talking about the the lack of democracy and how King Arthur has been, you know, is the king without an election and blah blah blah. Um, on the other hand, I think Life of Brian. Although I really like Life of Brian, I, th- I feel like Life of Brian almost goes too far in that direction where some bits are just a bit boring. Um, with the Judean people's front. Like, some of those scenes are just too long and not silly enough. Um, and although I, I like it, I, was, I found myself a little bit disappointed by Life of Brian this time. Um, Life of Brian is a film that I've, I've often defended as, as being better than I think people give it credit for. But this time around, I kind of felt like a lot of it's not very good. And contrary to what I just said, I feel like Life Brian is better when it is being silly. With, you know, biggest dickus and stuff like that. Um, so two two contrasting films there. One yeah. one that has certain strengths and then the other that has different strengths. Um, uh, I don't know if I'll bother watching Meaning of Life again because I, I don't particularly like Meaning of Life. Um, and now for something completely different is just the... Uh, a remake of skits from the TV series. So I kind of consider that these are the two Python films that I would go out of my way to watch. Uh, Holy Grail, by far the better one. I would say by, by a considerable distance. Uh, Life of Brian, pretty good, but with stretches that I just feel kind of became interminable and were a, a little bit, a little bit turgid and a little bit boring. Holy Grail is just kind of like Naked Gun is just kind of non-stop with its visual and kind of surrealist humor, and that's why it kind of resonates with me so much. Um, like I, I enjoy in particular the uh, the animation where they get chased by a monster, and then the animator has a heart attack, and that's how they escape. Like that kind of stuff, I I just think is so clever and so good. Life of Brian kind of doesn't have much of that, unfortunately. Uh, and that's they're the only movies I watched. Now, uh, I was down in Leak Slip 
yesterday, so I I brought with me quite a few films to watch. So I have um, I have it comes by night, which I do own. I I I forgot, but I do own on DVD. So, so do I. I got a Blu-ray. So I will watch that. Uh, Interview with a Vampire. I will watch that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Seven. I brought down as well. Give that a watch. Uh, and I got quite a few Hitchcock films. So I have Rear Window, Vertigo, uh, The Birds, Psycho, North by Northwest. So lots of good movies to watch. That's it. All right. Joe, you seen it? Uh, yeah, I watched a movie called uh, Ingrid Goes West. Yes. <sighs> stars Aubrey Plaza. Uh, you won from the Avengers, uh, yep. Elizabeth Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen, and Ice Cube Jr. Yes. In a supporting role. Um, it's a lot so it's like kind it. of a sort of dark comedy indie film, sort of a, uh, sort of single white female, but for the social media generation. Um, so Plaza plays Ingrid, who's, let's say, um, has issues with her mental health um, and becomes quite obsessed with people on social media and their kind of perfect lives as portrayed uh, on, on Instagram. Um, so she moves to California to kind of follow one of these people after this person like comments, uh, replies to one of her comments and likes her picture. And that's kind of enough for her to uproot and move over there. She kind of contrives to become friends with this person and gradually kind of builds her own sort of perfect Instagram life. Um, of course, just like in real life, it doesn't matter how kind of perfectly you, you portray yourself on Instagram, the truth never kind of uh, keeps up with it. Um, so it's, it's a good film. I did enjoy it. Um, the The social media stuff, the Instagram stuff, is probably the most kind of accurate portrayal of that kind of thing in a movie. Uh, normally when you see social media in movies, it, it either is dated incredibly quickly or even if it's quite up to date, if it still feels very kind of hackneyed for some reason, yeah. it's just, it's very, very difficult to, to do it. Um, and this wasn't kind of perfect. There's still something slightly weird about it uh, being portrayed in movies, but uh, this is probably the, the most accurate uh, representation. I don't know if they just kind of use real Instagram posts and change the names or whatever, but they were all very yeah. kind of spot on. Um, so overall, yeah, quite a good movie. I would say, in terms of the stakes, it, it doesn't quite uh, raise the bar as it goes into the second and third act for me. Uh, there are certain things I was expecting that didn't happen. Um, but it, the ending's quite strong, though. And it kind of it tells the message it wants to quite effectively. Um, so I enjoyed it, and I got a mild thumbs up for that one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I definitely thought, yeah, like you said, it was one of the better social media stories uh, yeah. in in film for quite a while. Um, without getting into like Black Mirror absurdity or anything like mm-hmm. that, like you know, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, do you have any other films, or was that your lot? Uh, that was it for this week. Uh, I seen a couple of films. I watched Hold the Dark on Netflix. Uh, that is a Jeremy Solnier film. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, who did uh, Blue Ruin and Green Room? Blue Ruin, which I love. Green Room, which I have not seen. Oh, okay. uh, I unfortunately didn't really like it that much. 
Um, it's a very stylish, very atmospheric kind of uh, kind of a thrillery type thing. It feels like it's kind of going for more of a kind of uh, a tone piece. Mm. In, it establishes this great tone, and I'm kind of watching this movie. I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for it to get going. I'm waiting for it to get going, and it it, it never really quite gets to it. It's it's got there's a couple of standout scenes that are pretty cool. But uh, I was I was pretty bored uh, for most of it, mm. unfortunately. Um, I think your mileage will vary quite a bit uh, with this. It's probably one that might benefit from a repeat viewing. I don't know, but uh, did not do much for me at all. I'm afraid. Um, uh, you know, good cast. You know, Jeffrey Wright from um, uh, right. Westworld yeah. uh, is in there. Uh, a couple of other names you might recognize. It's it's okay. It's it, again, like I said, I think so. If you like his other work, maybe you might. I get something out of it. I was a bit disappointed because because I just love Blue Ruin so much. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that, you know, kind of a, I'd give that one a miss unless you're unless you're a huge fan of of, of his work and want to check it out. Uh, I saw Rosie, uh, which is a, a an Irish independent film uh, based on a Roddy Doyle screenplay. It's not based on a book. It's 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 a kind of an original screenplay by by Doyle, and it's basically about a young mother uh, and, and father, family of six, uh, dealing with being recently made homeless in Dublin. Um, kind of a thirty-six hour slice of life movie, um, uh, set in current day Dublin. Um, fantastic film, really, really tremendous, uh, phenomenal uh, performances by the two lead characters. Uh, really, really, really well done kind of faux mockumentary style um, production. It's, it, it isn't a mockumentary, but there's a lot of uh, handheld camera, a lot of, you know, uh, kind of, you know, very close up zooms in tight spaces when they're in places like their car or in a kind of a hotel lobby. It's, it's going for a very, very gritty, very realistic feel, and it establishes it really well. It feels very real. It's a very intense film. Um, uh, it's it's hard watching in the sense that it is so realistic. I mean, it's detailing a, mm. a really a, a really trying subject matter at a time of real kind of you know a housing crisis in Ireland. I mean, I, there there isn't really a more perfect time for a movie like this to come out. I don't think purely because I mean this was released within a couple of weeks of there being protests in Dublin about the housing crisis. Mm. Um, so it's it's it's. Really, really great, but at the same time, a, a, a tough watch in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but I, I would highly recommend, especially to... I, I'm, I'm not sure what kind of release it's had in the UK, but to any Irish listeners especially, uh, get out and try and see this in the cinema if you can. Uh, less than 90 minutes, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it achieves a lot in its runtime. Uh, and it's very apropos for the times we are living in. Uh, so that's a, a big recommendation for that one. And then this weekend, I saw the new Halloween movie, which is the 13th, 14th film oh. in the Halloween franchise. Uh, well, I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Well, maybe it's just the 11th. Anyway, it's one of them. God bless you. <laughs> it is... It is the third film in the franchise to just be called Halloween. Because uh, you had the original, the 78 film. Yeah. You had the Rob Zombie reboot film. Oh, the reboot, yeah. Yeah, and then you had this one, which is... Uh, I'm actually not familiar with this director. David Gordon Green? 
Uh, I'm going to jump on his, his letterbox page here. He directed Joe, the Nicolas Cage film. I've seen that. Uh, Pineapple Agreed. Express. Joe is good. Uh, Ooh, Pineapple Express. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Your Highness with Danny McBride. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, uh, Danny McBride is a writer on this. I didn't notice that in the credits. That that jumped out at me as odd. Uh, but yeah, so this is, this is the third film to just be called Halloween. It is, to the best of my knowledge the second film in the series that basically does a thing where it goes right everyone the first film is canon everything else is not um halloween h20 in 1998 did that and this one does that as well so basically what they're saying is halloween the original film happened and then nothing happened after that for 40 years that's what the premise of this film is Mm. forget all them forget all them 10 films in the middle it's just the first one in this one in the new in the quote-unquote new canon so basically uh, some investigative journalists uh, try and speak to Michael Myers at a, uh, yeah, a a very realistic and not at all insensitive mental institution. Um, uh, he's then being transferred from one institution to another and he escapes. Uh, during this time, we see Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode. Uh, it's obviously been 40 years, so she has a daughter and a granddaughter uh, uh, in this film. And it's sort of... Uh, one of the more interesting threads in this film is it's her kind of she's been living as like a shut-in for the last 40 years she had she had her daughter mm-hmm. taken off her by social services because she basically lives this kind of paranoid gun-toting hermit life uh in preparation for the day that michael myers escapes and comes to get her and so she's estranged from her her family and so that's kind of one of the more interesting threads through this film that is kind of on the surface, just another Halloween movie. Michael Myers escapes. He kills a bunch of teens. He has a showdown with Jamie Lee Curtis. That's the movie. Uh, but they are telling some interesting stuff where they're kind of dealing with her uh, trauma after the events of the first film. It's pretty good. I feel like it could have gone even deeper with that stuff with the Laurie character that didn't quite do. Uh, beyond that, it doesn't really you know push the genre into any new kind of uh, directions it is just a pretty a, a reasonably good looking reasonably well made uh, uh slasher movie with an extremely dumb script i had a i had an audience in this theater uh, it was almost sold out that started out kind of annoying because there was non-stop chattering but in the end the movie kind of got so dumb in places that the crowd kind of helped uh, there was a scene where someone inexplicably, despite Michael Myers being one of those uh, characters who never runs, you know, his walks everywhere, uh, she was being chased, and rather than walking down a road to the house she was trying to get to, she chose to run off into the woods to the left of the road, uh, inexplicably for no reason, which caused literally caused the entire theatre to laugh, and one fella, I believe behind me, I think his terminology was, oh, you fucking spastic, I think was his exact words. Uh, which you know, you know, I, I turned around. And I said, "Sir, if you, if you could not say that, I did not actually do that." Um, <laughs> Why not? Uh, but the second half of the film very much turned into a um, that kind of thing where it was like people were kind of hoop, hooping and hollering at at the silliness of it. Um, so yeah, and that and there's some intentional comedy in there as well. Like some, it's actually a surprisingly there's a surprising amount of jokes in the film. Uh, it is a good popcorn movie for horror fans uh, and if you're a genre fan and a franchise fan you'll get a kick out of it um, if you kind of had your fill of, of um, slasher films and if you don't if if the premise of a 2018 Halloween film doesn't do much for you the execution won't, won't blow you away either but I, I had some fun with it so uh, so yeah I, I, if you're looking for something spooky to see in theaters I'd give that a recommendation uh, and that's all my, my, my movies this week hmm. 
There we go. Very good. Uh, you gents have emails. I don't have emails. Do you want to go ahead? I have an email. It's from Will Sewell. He says, uh, subject, Louis Theroux. Excuse me, Paul. He's banned. Why? I don't remember. He did something that annoyed <laughs> me a few weeks ago. What was that thing? What did he do? What was it? Oh, this is one of those times I wish I could remember the podcast. <laughs> We do. Oh, yeah. what did he do? What did Will even do to be banned? Well, fuck, I guess he's not banned anymore. I don't remember what he did. <laughs> um, see, so subject Louis Theroux. Hi, Joe. I've been rewatching some classic Louis Theroux episodes. Which ones stick in your memory? This guy was a favorite of mine, and he includes a, a YouTube link to the uh, Ty Brides uh, episode of. Um, Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends, which is actually probably my favourite episode. So, in terms of ones that stick in my memory, yes, certainly that one will. Uh, with the guy, Lawrence, who... Um, sorry, kind of sweet old guy who goes to Thailand to find himself a bride, but then he's also a little bit awful. Um, and then there's the other fella in it who runs the kind of, uh, you know, meeting a, a bride service, whatever it's called. Um who is possibly one of the most awful men that's ever lived, um, sort of trades his wife in for a younger uh, Thai bride during the course of the program. Um, yeah, that is particularly memorable one. I'm trying to think. Most of the ones I remember are kind of the, the Louis meets, uh, the celebrity ones, Yeah. rather than the the, the, uh, the Weird Weekends one. There's the Swingers one, which is kind of, kind of weird as well. Of course, the wrestling one. Uh, with the wonderful um, what's his face Sergeant thingy. Sarge yeah Sarge um, there was that really weird guy in the bodybuilding one who had like the fake like hex put in they like going at different sort of angles um, and he kind of sticks in the mind um, yeah a lot of the other a lot of the other weird weekends um, not don't stick in my mind too much how about you guys I always think of the Westboro Baptist Church one. Oh yeah, yeah I think that was that was later on. Yeah, that yeah. that that's the one that jumps out at me. I can't. I I've seen most of them, but none of them are jumping out at me after this. Yeah, all of them are quite forgettable. I think the Westboro Baptist Church one is the only one I've seen. What? Yeah, I don't know. I just I've never watched a lot of Louis, Louis through. Not that I don't like what he does right now it's just not something i've been exposed to that much i did see the westboro baptist church one though i think that was uh an interesting i think that was one of my first um times kind of being aware of the westboro baptist church i think was through the louis through documentary i, I think so as well yeah for me yeah mm. okay that's my uh, email thanks for that will uh i have an email as well and it's from Will Sewell. Ah, what? I remember what, what I did. I remember what it was. Um, I he recommended I listen to WWF's Music Volume Two. Oh, right. I think enough time. That's that's worthy of a bad What? Well, after the after that quiz that I did today, I don't think I can really. I think I should be banned from the podcast for a while. <laughs> um. All right. We'll let Will back now. Will, you're well. You're you're unbanned officially. Uh, Will says, I know I'm banned. Well, not anymore. Uh, 
he says <laughs> he says after watching Psycho last week or I guess it's like three weeks ago now may I recommend you uh, he's already recommended now he's only been banned unbanned two minutes may I, <laughs> may I recommend you watch Reanimator which has my favorite score of all time and is a great horror flick cheers Will uh, well Will in a in a great showing of compassion. Uh, I know that Reanimator is is a, a bit of a gory film, which I yeah I, is I that an early early Peter Jackson? Uh, no, I don't think Reanimator is that is. not it. No, I think you're thinking of something else. Um, Reanimator is uh, directed by Stuart Gordon. Uh, but I tell you what, oh, and the film originally received an X rating. Great. Um, but as I said, in a show of compassion, will because I banned you, and then unbanned you. Even though it's a film that typically I would not like to watch because I don't like the gore, I will watch Reanimator and I will review on the podcast next week. There you go. Can't get nicer than that. And they're the emails, so I will watch Reanimator. Uh, but if it's email, but but I will watch it on the proviso that if it is too gory and I don't like it, um, Will is banned again from email. So, Will, you're rolling the dice there, brother. We'll see what happens. Alrighty. <coughs> uh, and that's going to take us into the Wrestle Guff. Paul. Yes. Why don't you tell us what you made of the fourth year anniversary show from Over the Top Wrestling? I thought it was a very good show, Barry. Very, very I good. I also show. thought it was a very good show. I have a question for you. After a live viewing, mm. where did you think. Walter versus Will Ospreay ranked in the in the OTT matches of the year. Well, I I won't say what I said when I came out of the show because mm-hmm. I think you know similar to when when I reviewed Homecoming uh, on this show, I think I was a little bit hyperbolic, um, which I now realize. So I'm going to be a little bit more toned down with my fourth oh, with my fourth year uh, anniversary review. Um, given now that I've had a week to stew on it, um, I think that the main event in particular was um, a more exciting version of the Devlin Walter match. I yeah. don't know that I would say it was, it's better. I think I, I liked it more um, just because it had a lot more going on. Now, whether that makes it a better match is, I guess, up to different people's interpretation. Um, um, although I'll tell you what, I, I will say uh, my, my, what I said when I came out of the show as we were discussing on our way home I said that main event lo- made Devin Walter look like a piece of shit what <laughs> um, which I will not go on record as saying that I still think that because I, th- I thought Devin Walter was really um, an amazing piece of work um but Osprey, Osprey Walter, I just think, was a more lively, more um, acrobatic, more extreme experience than Devlin. Walter had was very, very emotionally strong. Whereas this one, I think, I just think, in a purely like as a spectacle, I thought was amazing. And and it's the first time in a year and a half. That I thought the national stadium felt like the Tivoli for one match. Right. 
the atmosphere. People were jumping up and down. People were people were going crazy for that match. I thought it was it was especially in the home stretch. Yeah. Um there were near falls that people were just going ballistic for. And I went from thinking uh that this match was just kind of a placeholder until the real the real feud could get going again, which is Devlin beating Walter and presumably Osprey challenging Devlin down the line. I went from thinking that to going, oh my God, which way is this match going to go? I was legitimately stood up for the last five minutes of this match. I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was really great. Really, really, truly great. Now, I don't know whether it, it'll have the same kind of lasting impression that the Devlin one did, because the Devlin one... Um, because of the build, had that extra, again, emotional kind of resonance to it. Whereas the the Osprey, yeah, the Osprey match was just purely kind of the match as an isolated thing. Now Osprey did a great interview for it, and they 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 chopped it into a great video package they as yeah. they always do lately. Um, but yeah, I think, and I so I watched it on VOD like yourself after the match. I was thinking, oh my god, I think that's better than Devlin, uh, Devlin Walter. I need to rewatch it. Blah blah. Then when I rewatched it, I was I was still loved it, but I was kind of very confidently firm on no, it's it was not as good as that. And I think I think the story is the difference. Well, I have I haven't rewatched it, but I having seen both of them live and having not rewatched either of them, I think I prefer the Osprey match. Okay. But I, I I feel like just from watching it back, I was like, okay, the crowd was down a little bit in the in the in the early goings towards the middle of the match, and also the, I I just feel like that there that story it just was a bit lacking compared to the to the Devlin match. Well, of course, of course they are. But the, but the thing is, well, like you mentioned, they are. I think they're completely different matches. I think as we talked about at the time of the Devlin match, one of the great things is that they kept a lot up their sleeve for a rematch. Um, yeah. it, it was not a balls out. Uh, you know, one million near falls match that this was, uh, but yeah, I mean that's, I mean, well, I mean here they even used the the rock in two thousand special of the fake finish foot on the rope. Yeah, restart the match. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'd say about the Devon match is looking back, I I think the finish of the Devon match was a little a little bit anticlimactic in that it goes from like the chokehold Devon. Drops the hand twice, holds it up, brother, he's still in. And then he immediately gets hit with the, the fire thunder and he's done. Um, whereas this, like you mentioned, like the last five minutes, I think it was actually like the last ten minutes, um, was just f- near fall after near fall after near fall after near fall. Um, in the Devon yeah. match, I don't, know, I don't know that we had enough um, feeling in the Devon match that Devon was going to win. Like there wasn't that moment of... Devon hits the big move and Walter kicks out. It never kind of took us on that journey at the end, um, yeah. which made which made the finish all the more surprising, I guess. Um, whereas this one had like moments where you thought for sure Walter had it, moments where for sure you thought Osprey had it, and um, and that back and forth is what kind of made it all the more exciting for me. Like I was standing up, hands on head, mouth aghast, you know. And I I just love this is like. This is one of the great runs of any one wrestler in a company ever. I mean, just playing. I mean, the way that the the Devlin finish played off the June tag match, and then this finish played off the the Devlin finish because, of yeah. course, Osprey gets his foot on the ropes for the for the the driver, 
and and then you have we have about like like you say between five and ten minutes of just insane near falls where everyone's on their feet and hey, you're just going crazy. You don't know which way it's going to go, and then the finish is again. Walter's like, okay, well he's had an answer for everything, so I need to bust out something new again for this guy. Uh, and he beats him with a splash off the top rope, which I just loved. I loved that finish. Yeah. And I love the fact that, that every time someone thinks they have an answer for everything Walter can throw, he busts out something else. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. Um, yeah, so we, whichever way they're ranked, I mean, God, he's just on a hell of a streak. Just incredible main events left, right, and center for, for Walter. Um, yeah, we won't run down the whole rest of the cards. Uh, I thought it was a great show overall. Uh, I tell you what, I thought uh, Ishii and Kushida was a bit of a letdown. I thought um, Kushida had a bit of a rough night. I thought I thought he wasn't on his game, and I thought Ishii came off like a mega star. I thought Ishii came off like the big star of the match. Sure, um, and, I thought, and I thought it went too long as well. I, th- I thought the match was good. Um... I thought it was okay. I didn't hate it, but I, I thought it was you know not at the not what I, I was I was expecting something at the level of both their WrestleRama matches. You know, no, no, no. But both the WrestleRama matches were better. This was a, a discussion I had coming out because I think my brother really liked that match, and I said, I, "Well, I thought it was good. I did. I didn't think it was as good as either the Ishii match or the Kushida match from WrestleRama." Yeah. Um. Uh. What else from the show? Um. Obviously, Suzuki. Came off as a star. He he seemed to really enjoy himself. I thought the first half of the Suzuki Thatcher match was kind of boring, um, until it descended into full on violence with just like elbows to the face. Then I was loving it. Um, I thought the Lij match was kind of nothingy. Yeah, in was, in the uh, way that the Cobby she one was. Well, I liked it more than that because I because I think the crowd made that one. I mean, that one, that was everything that all of those guys did was like eaten. It was like it was you know what it was kind of like it was like a better version of like the Bullet Club matches. Yeah, everything yeah. everything they're done is being eaten with a knife and fork by the crowd. Uh, but but on whereas that was all kind of fucking goofy YouTube show shtick, this was kind of like Naito just going out there doing his house show routine. But when you're in that atmosphere, it felt it felt cooler. Um, I, I, my disappointment with that match was it felt like they were doing a crazy PWG six man with loads of moves, which is great. But it was like, was that match like, if to me live, it felt like that was like less than 10 minutes long that match. Yeah, it felt really short. It felt really short. And again, I suppose because the point of the match was go out there, Naito does his entrance, he rolls under the rope, he does the tranquilo, he hits his move, he wins. That's the match. Um, uh, and, and anything, anything else you do on, on top of that is just gravy. Um, but uh, like I said, the the atmosphere was great. Um, yeah, I, I I would agree that, that was a little disappointing. Also, Thatcher and uh, Suzuki, like I said at the time that was announced, not to be the most spoiled wrestling fans in the world, but that's that's a small room match. That's a good, it's a it's a match that that it, there's a lot of people would want to see, but it's it's simultaneously a match for like contenders where you're in a small room mm. and you can make the most of it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, what else did we have? We had the uh, oh, we mentioned earlier the Angel Cruz entrance. Yeah. Um, God, this is my favorite thing about the stadium shows now. Next time they announce stadium, I'm just going to be excited about the the, the the short the short film the Angel Cruisers make, uh, which they put a director's cut up on YouTube with some bonus footage. Oh, top notch stuff! I I I love it. They're so funny, 
and the effort they go through to to, to make those things is great. Yeah, um, um, all the little references, you know, Roman Reigns had a Joe afford him, and all this other little, all these other little things. What I particularly so, liked was the gymnasties laughing their arse off in the ring while it was on. Oh, they were oh, they were busted up, were they? Justy was loving it. Uh, well, he, he knows funny. He knows funny. Um, and then, of course, I, I love, I love, I love just being because, like, you think of of the stadium shows as these big shows where people go to see Suzuki and Zack Saber Jr. and all this stuff. But everyone watches that, and you look around, and everyone's just busting their whole laughing at this stuff. Everyone in the building because uh, it's just so good. And the little car, the little car for the crash scene was just ah, oh, Grace, you owe me a car, you cunt. <laughs> And then, of course, that's building to uh, looks like it's going to be uh, some sort of death match, first ever. Heck yeah! Mm, it, I don't know how I feel about that, but um, uh, that match was. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a death match guy, but I'm kind of into seeing. I'm into seeing one live for the novelty of it, and then I don't need I don't need fucking Jimmy Havoc over here every month doing it. I no. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, but I, I, if so, they've announced Jimmy Havoc is at Redemption. They didn't say what he's doing. Uh, but at this show, basically, he was the third man for Angel Cruz's team. Uh, without you know, good old wrestling. Without announcing it, this just was a brawl that involved weapons. Yeah. Um, and there was a miscommunication at one point where Angel hit Jimmy with a light tube. Jimmy then cost Angel the match, hitting him with a light tube, and and so Jimmy's at the November show. Jimmy Havoc bleeding everywhere. Leading absolutely everywhere, yeah. I, I, that was that was pretty intense. So I I guess they'll do that match that November. I I don't I know, so. but um, yeah, that that November show was looking pretty tasty, I have yeah. to say. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll we won't go into that. No. Um, any other any other thoughts on the stadium? I'll give a very quick defiant chat if you want to. Yeah, mention um, anything else. just uh, I thought the first match was a bit of a mess with the five five way for the intergender. I think I think five's too many. Um, I like what it was. It was kind of. I I would rather just a, a like LJ Paddy M match, which I I think we're gonna get anyway down the line. Um yeah. And then Kings of the North, I feel like every time I see them, uh, they do less and less for me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, because they used to be one of the acts I would look forward to seeing the most. They used to have these like crazy, um, wild brawls, and just I think ever since they turned face, they've they've just lost something. Um, Some of the wind has been taken from the sails for sure. I thought the um, I thought their entrance was a dud as well. With the, the entrance was a dud. Um, poor Amy. Poor. Oh, with the, um. oh god! Now she had a great night on Sunday. She had a great moment, but oh, so for, uh, like uh, the Kings of the North did. Uh, uh, it was like a, a horror Halloween theme. A horror themed entrance where they dressed in the Freddy jumpers with the claws, and they had a creepy ghost schoolgirl jumping rope on the entrance, which was Amy Alonzi. And she messed up the jump rope bit. Well, I don't know. I don't want to blame her. I just think it was something that was like good in in, it the, was good in, in theory and just horrible in execution. Yeah, and it's like you know what? It's like that's such an easy thing to make a mistake doing as well. Like I don't even blame her. Like they should have just had her go out there and just fall over because at the, the end of it, then is she falls over dead, and it's like just have her walk out and look weird. I mean, that's that's fine, you know. But but anyway, yeah, I think I think. The face turn took a bit of wind out of their sails. Turning back heel was the right move, but then, but then you have the problem where they flip flopped so much in recent memory that it's a bit odd. And, and then and it's like I, Duncan and Bonesaw half the time, and Corvin Bonesaw half the time, and I don't know. I was that's why I, I enjoyed the more than hype beatdown at the September thirtieth show. Uh, but I I knew when that happened, I was like, okay, 
this match here at the stadium is like it's not going to be a Kings of the North epic. It's just not because the story is going to be the, the, more than the injured. Are, are, yeah. yeah, they're fighting with three legs basically between them, and I I thought it was good for that purpose. I liked it, but they they put it on second match in the card, and you know what? It felt like a second match on the card. It's and you know what they like, didn't do, to the what? best of my memory, the the like the easiest spot that the story was set up for, the the like leg submission where don't tap Nathan. Like they didn't even do it. There wasn't even. Uh, I I think I think because they didn't want to put him in there and not have him tap. Yeah, but you have Darren save it or whatever. I mean, they had they had the spot where Darren goes for the tag and he's not there. I mean, they had that spot. You know, uh, they they I had they know. had the bit. I look, I'm with. You. I I didn't think it was great, but I I thought for what they're going for, it was all right. I did like that Nathan Martin was selling the knee like an hour before the show, walking around through the arena. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's great. He's great. And then yeah, I don't think I I thought it was a, like like I say a very good show. Um. Too, too, too much other thoughts about it I don't think how is Defiant anyway? uh, I haven't watched Defiant yet on VOD I will watch it this week yeah it's, it's actually not up yet um, what why not oh because it was they got, yeah. they got fourth anniversary up very quick I guess yeah. you know it's fine hey they had you know two or two and a half shows when I queued the pre-show um, they had a lot of stuff to get through so that's fair enough uh, Defiant 2 was great Defiant 2 was better than Defiant 1 okay it was one of my favorite shows of the year so far uh, I, uh, basically, the the men's pre-show was was good. Uh, it the uh, both the Luchador matches were were really enjoyable. Strickland and Bandito ended up being a really good match. First half was a little bit shaky. You felt like maybe there was a little bit of a you know I don't know if it was a language barrier or what, but there was a little bit of some kind of pauses where it was like oh, 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 who's going, who's going, whose turn is it to go? You know, some of those moments. Right. Uh, the only. The only real downside of the whole weekend was that uh, Curtis did beat Terry Thatcher for the NLW title on the pre-show. Your favorite. And, yeah, the match was okay. I thought the match was all right. I thought the match overall was great. I thought Curtis was not great in it. Uh, everyone I spoke to, everyone I was with, didn't like the match at all. Right. Uh, and but I but and everyone I spoke to was universally annoyed that this is after the big story they told with Terry. Um, that this is the culmination of it. He kind of lost it on a, on a pre-show to a guy no one likes. And when I say no one likes, I don't mean no one likes like Zach Gibson, like a great heel. No one likes because he's bad and miscellaneous other reasons, you right. know, to say the least. You said it, yeah, not well, me. Yeah, I, I won't even say miscellaneous, you know, but um, but it's like, he, he's really not that over as a heel. It's it's it, And when he won, it was very much this kind of like, it wasn't this big jump up on your feet. Oh, fuck you. Oh, no, fuck this. Fuck everything. It wasn't that, you know, like a, a Gibson or, or something like that. It wasn't that. I feel like OTT, after a, a bagged weekend where they got everything right and it felt like they were in tune with what the fans wanted across the board, including later on this card, which I'll discuss in a minute, it just feels like this big thing that they're just getting wrong and it's like misinterpreting the distaste for Curtis for, like, good heat. Because, uh, like I say, you might notice you'll see uh, when you watch the VOD. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just felt like no one's into this. No one's talking about this, like just, you know, on Twitter or anywhere else. It doesn't feel like there's this chat about it the way there was for like for like Terry. That story was was really cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know. They're taking. They're I guess they're trying to, uh, something new. They're doing a little experiment. I don't know, but I'm I'm not into it at all. Um, yeah. As for the main show, uh, Amy had her Tivoli debut as Amy Alonzi. Uh, 
She teamed with Debbie, who brought her new look to the Tivoli for the first time, against Casey Owens and Lana Austin. Lana Austin had a much better outing here than she had against Martina in October. Right. We'll be happy to know. Um, she was actually really great. The heel team was really, really great in this match. Really, really effective. Casey Owens, she's a, she's very much a, a, what's Paige's mom's name? Uh, uh, Sweet Soraya. Yeah, she's very yeah. much that kind of thing. I'm going to fight everyone in the audience. going to get in their face. She's got a good look, really kind of intense, kind of scary. Um, and Amy does the really energetic, really lovable, kind of happy, funky <clears throat> girl gimmick. And she came out and she kind of has like a unicorn headdress on and they had someone in a unicorn mascot outfit uh, doing her entrance with her. It was really, really great. Is she a bit like Bailey-esque? It's very Bailey. It's almost it's almost in a way going for kind of more childlike. And also, yeah, she lost this match. She took the pin. Um, I think she'll be doing that a lot. I think it's very much the type of character where it's going to be kind of lovable loser. I think okay. that's kind of the vibe they're going for. I... Because a lot of people were expecting Debbie to turn on her, because Debbie kind of has this new all black gear, black hair, kind of more serious look, uh, and and Amy's the lovable loser, so they were expecting the turn. It didn't happen, um, but yeah, and and you know what? I think the role is great for Amy. She felt a lot more comfortable, a lot more natural in this role than she did in in some of the other times I've seen her. She came off really well, and after the match, everyone chanted her name, and and she had a nice little moment there. Uh, that was cool uh, uh, for her. Uh, yeah, I won't run down the whole card, but it was it was a really, really solid card with some really great action. Uh, Jordan Grace is tremendous. Uh, Viper, who I saw live for the first time, she's really great. Um, the only other match I wanted to specifically make mention of was the main event, Raven Creed versus Sammy Jane. Uh, they had, right, and I'm looking forward to your takes on this after you see it, one of the better matches in OTT this year. Uh, and much like the six-man tag with Mako Sanamora, I, I was thinking this would be one of the OTT matches of the year on a year that didn't have Devlin Walter, obviously. I still think that's above this. Right. But uh, they had a tremendous match, a tremendous match that really cemented Raven as the one, you know, the one to go with. This is your next top female star. This is your one to uh, to push to the moon. It also cemented Sammy Jane as one of the more underrated people OTT uses on a regular basis. I've enjoyed her every time she's been here. Um, she carries herself like a star. She's a really great worker, really intense. Uh, and this was a match where the crowd were having a lot of fun. Obviously, Raven was kind of inexplicably a face here, but but uh, the crowd had a lot of fun with some of the chants, like, uh, you know, blue hair, loads of fans to play off the blue hair, no fans. She usually gets lots of stuff like that where they were kind of rooting for her. And um, the closing stretch was the closing stretch was on par with a, with a typical great main event. People were going ballistic for it. Um, I don't want to, I you know, give away too many of the spots because I, mean, I, I want to hear what you think. But uh, it felt like they made a star in one night. If she wasn't already a star, it felt like Raven was a star coming out of this uh, show. Um, so, so it was it was a great way to cap off a great weekend um, for OTT. So, um, fair play to them for that. Uh, yeah, and so Paul, I guess you'll have some follow up thoughts next week. Well, I just copped on now to the fact that Alonzi is is Alonzi is French for let's go. <laughs> Let's go. I, I did not even I did not even catch that. Alonzi, yeah. I think it oh. might be a um it might be a Doctor Who reference. Mm. Anyway. I I'm uh, looking forward to the fight. I'm looking forward to the fight. I tell you what, I'm very much looking forward to that main event because I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I'm expecting it to change my mind because I have to be brutally honest, I am yet to be convinced 
uh, about the Raven Creed uh, hype bandwagon. I, I, I think I think you'll have your mind your mind changed by this. Well, I, uh, I think I think you, this is this was everyone I spoke to after the show had the mindset that literally everyone on that card should be back on a regular basis. Literally everyone. Well, um, I'm looking forward Jedi, to it. When you see the Jetta Emi Segura, Katie Harvey match, you'll be wondering how it took them so long to get Jetta in. She is the most tailor-made for OTT act uh, uh, going. Okay. Um, yeah. okay. I, 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 you'll see the Raven hype for sure. I'm pretty confident. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about some uh, non-OTT wrestling or do you want to wrap it up or what do you want to do? Yeah, well, SmackDown 1000 was this week. Did you watch any of it? Nope. Because our CSP favorite, Big Dave Bautista, was on. It was very good. You can say Meltzer. Uh, no, he is. You know what I was thinking, right? He's banned. He's banned from CSP. No, since you mentioned. Dave, don't try an email in. Since, you're banned. since you mentioned the problem. And he doesn't know the, how to use email. The problematic Dave Meltzer. Um. He he's he's gone out. I think he mentioned whether it was on a tweet or in the newsletter that like there's two places he wants to go to watch wrestling. One of them is Little Dublin, Ireland for OTT, right? So I'll make a little I'll make a little promise here to our listeners, right? If Dave Meltzer ever goes to an OTT show, which I don't know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but if he does, if he goes, I will go, and I will ask him if Kane and Mankind are still wrestling. Okay. <laughs> okay. No one has asked you to do this, but he's going to do it himself. I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, "All right, Dave. Oh, I don't watch that do the ref anymore. Kane, my kite's still around. There they are. Good line. Let's give yourself there, lad. Okay. Um, no, Big Batista was back in town for the Evolution return, and uh, he came off very well. He came off very well indeed. Um, like a star. He came off like he was in the ring with Randy Orton. Triple H and Ric Flair, and he came off as a bigger star than all three of them combined. Um, culminating, well, the, essentially the the segment was him praising his Evolution teammates. He said, "Ric Flair, Space Mountain, woo!" woo. He said the stories about Ric Flair that I couldn't even tell you. And he said, "He said, put that thing back in your pants." It's a family show. Uh, Ric Flair was loving it, and he said, "Triple H, Triple H." You are at the pinnacle of this industry, 14-time world champ. You are this industry, and you've done everything in this business except beat me. <laughs> and oh no! listen, obviously they're building to that, and I know that that's, go- that's going to be no good. But for here in this isolated little segment, it- Batista with his little, sm- little smarmy line, and then staring dead at Triple H. Triple H gave his little... Uh-huh. He, like, he gave a reaction like he was trying to work out explaining the I Wondertaker as a segment name. Um, like he was a little bit confused and a little bit disappointed and a little bit angry. Um, much like Barry is every time I say, explain, and oh, I hear no. Um, then it was all hugs and smiles, which then turned back into mm, don't like they said that there. Um, yeah, Batista came off very, very well. He had a big leather jacket on, wacky sunglasses on. He was the Batista that we all know and love. Um, he did not do the machine gun entrance, I'm sad to say. Um, however, it was good to see him back, and he came off very, very well. Uh, the other notable thing about SmackDown 1000 was uh, Vince McMahon was on 
for a pointless segment where he danced. Um, another example of Vince McMahon not really knowing how to utilize um, his appearances in a strong way. And it's ultimately a, a dumb, annoying segment where he danced with... Let me just say this, SmackDown 1000 opened with, okay? Keep in mind, the 1000th edition of SmackDown opened with R-Truth and Carmella. And Stephanie Man came down, and Shane Man came down, and Vince Man came oh. down, and they danced. And that was the opening segment of your 1000th SmackDown. Uh, it sucked. Uh, I didn't watch anything else on the show, but uh, that Batista segment was great, and you should go out of your way to watch the uh, the clip if you can find it on YouTube. It was very good. It was about 10 minutes long, so if you have 10 minutes free, go to YouTube. Don't watch the one on the WWE uh, YouTube channel, because that cuts out the line where he tells Ric Flair to keep his penis in his trousers. Um, <laughs> but if you can find the whole segment on YouTube... Uh, do watch but it. I, I, I watched I only watched the couple of seconds where Becky Lynch goes, and don't break your fucking neck getting out of my ring. <laughs> to to Edge. To Edge. That, yeah. was, that was good. Edge is going I, his that, hair out again for some reason. That, yeah, that made me think, oh, would it be good if Edge came back? Because he sold it. Because I remember main event Edge towards the end of his run being a bit shite. Yeah, remember all that spear, spear, spear stuff? Yeah. Ah, it was yeah. rubbish. But in this segment, I was like, oh, I, I actually felt bad for him because he had this dejected look on his face when she said, I was like, oh, just get her a slappage. Go on, just, just go on. Ah. It's in the, in, the, in the words of Be Cool, it's 2018, intergender wrestling is cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else really to report on from SmackDown 1000. Um, yeah. I don't know why the last couple of NXTs. I'm still one behind. But I'm catching up. Um, I watched two very good episodes of NXT. One of them had a very good Johnny Gargano Tony Nese match, and then had a a very different but also very good main event between EC3 and Lars Sullivan. Oh, where, really? Where they beat the shite out of each other. Um, it, <laughs> at the end of the match, Lars Sullivan had a big welt on his back from being pushed backwards into the steps. And EC3 was bleeding from the eyebrow and the mouth. It was that kind of fight. Sounds good. Uh, Shades of Walter. Lars Sullivan won with a headbutt from the top rope. Uh, And then the second NXT I watched had a very good main event. Pete Dunne, Adam Cole, and Ricochet in a triple threat match. And that was about as good as you'd expect it to be. I don't think it was quite as good as the Pete Dunne Ricochet singles match that was like two weeks before, which until the finish was one of my favorite matches of the year. Uh, and that's one you should seek out. Um, but that was very good also. And uh, so this Thursday, I will watch two episodes of NXT and I'll be all caught up. They're still doing the Who Attacked Alistair Black storyline. So I'm very much oh. uh, excited to find that out. Um, Nikki Cross is like the most over person on the show, inexplicably. And um, there you go. So I believe there were some tapings this week. I have, n- like I said, some sometimes I'll I'll hear something that happened and I'll I, I'll uh, sometimes I'll even act on the show like I ha- like I haven't heard about it. But truthfully, I can say to you, the listener, I have not heard anything from these tapings, and I will avoid them as best I can because NXT is at its best when you don't know what's going to happen. Even when it's taped weeks and weeks in advance. Um, so very much looking forward to uh, 
the next couple of weeks. But yeah, that's all the rest then from this week. I don't think there's any anything newsworthy outside of the um the TV tapings. Um uh, not really anything that I can think of to mind. Okay. Uh, well, we'll be back next week with Paul's Defiant Thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably be talking a bit of Red Day. Reanimator uh, review. Reanimator. We might preview Evolution. I am gonna. I have Monday off, so I might watch Evolution. Um, I might have. I might have this Monday off because I'm sick as fuck, lad. We'll have more sick golf, of course. Um, Joe yeah. is probably gonna get a 147 at the snooker. Uh, oh, all I care about though is 147 steps, baby. Oh, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Walking, walking life. Anyway, and we will uh, be back next week to talk about all that and more. So, uh, till then, it's going to be goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's going to be goodbye from Joe Town. Goodbye. And it's going to be goodbye. It's Paul Griffin. <laughs> goodbye. <coughs>